1: To bird's eye view, when it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast and none other is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 8th, 2014. This, believe it or not, is episode 94. My name is Jake English, and here, joined with me to bring a certain elegance, a certain je ne sais quoi to the proceedings is the tall drink of water that is Scott Magnus. I prefer hate. <laughs> If and you're downers you, you do it that yeah <laughs> if you're listening to our voices right now you're most likely doing it at our website which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com but it's also possible that you found us at the baltimore sports report network which can be found at baltimore slash network where you can find this and other fine shows on the orioles ravens and more We can be found in places like Miro, Stitcher, Double Twist. You can also go to iTunes as long as they haven't thrown us off this week. But the best place to catch us is on social media. Whereas we're on Facebook, Google+, and all those other places, the best place to reach us is probably Twitter, and we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. Something to keep in mind, we're on the post-game live shows for channel BSR, which is on uh, BaltimoreSportsReport.com slash live. We do this uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, about 15 minutes after the Orioles games. We uh, we break down the games in a way that does not involve the Mars ads. But, Scott, something special that happened on Sunday. We had a, uh, a purple edition of the post-game show, did we not? I had to make a substitution in and... Uh parlay
0: my information that i saw during the ravens game dear god i hope that never happens again because i
1: am not adequate to uh, make commentary on the ravens at this time scott that's not fair that is not fair there are so many things that you are not adequate in and that is just not at the top of the list are oh, did you get excited for the end where i said i'm going to do a sabermetric slant on football i would not uh, i would not say i was excited okay speaking of too much excitement it's that time what is your drink of this week Jake,
0: my drink for this week is a custom creation of my own. I am truly frightened, but pray continue. I went with two parts of Blue Coat Gin, which is a citrus gin, made in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I went with one part, triple sec, then I went with a dash of bitters, and then I topped it all off with some orange, or, with some orange juice. Jake, I've named this drink the Whoa Nelly. Don't.
1: Don't do that. That thing that you just did, don't. Don't do it. Whoa Nelly. When you drink it, you say, "Well, Nelly, does it really? It does." Can I move on? Whoa, Nelly! Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, my drink of the week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to class things up. I'm, uh, I am drinking Old Vine Zinfandel uh, from Gnarly Head. It's a, it's a nice red wine. It's like an eight dollar bottle of wine. It's not eight dollars, but it's as cheap as they come. So seven dollar <laughs> bottle of wine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I happen to like it. I, I'm, so your wife bought it for you, and you're just like, "Hey, this isn't terrible." I'm a Big fan of cheap dark reds. Okay. You know? right. Well, <laughs> that explains a lot about your dating life in college. <laughs> <laughs> we desperately need to step out of that, especially because my wife does listen to the podcast. Let's go. More so to the but To the medical wing. <laughs> what do you have this week for the medical wing?
0: Well, the biggest news is J.J. Hardy has been out of the Orioles lineup for several days now, and he's going to be out until Friday. With um, He returned to Baltimore and is going to be taking some rest, but also seeing uh, a doctor and also getting an MRI di- done on his back. He says that there's no spasms. He says there's no muscle tightness. He just says it's sore. Jake, I asked you this question. Do you think he's suffering from OMS?
1: Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. That would be old man syndrome. Oh, I am am familiar (laughs) with that one, actually. No, I don't think this is OMS. Jake, I think this might be a situation
0: where, you know, the Orioles are vying for that lucrative sponsorship deal with Aleve or Bayer.
1: What do you think? I I think there's a possibility of that happening. I I think that that's definitely, you know— Going for the, uh, the OMS and the, uh, the elite. I, 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 like where your head's at. Look, here's the thing about JJ Hardy being out. Uh, uh, Rock Kabaka over at M- Masson Sports said that, uh, JJ Hardy said that he would have been able to play under different circumstances. And by that, he means if the Orioles were fighting for a contention spot. But this is the benefit of having that nine and a half game lead. You don't have to press. You can take your time, and you can do it right. They're going to go back. They're going to have him do the test on his back. And if they find something, then they'll know how to treat it. And if they don't find anything, then they'll treat it with rest and ice and voodoo magic and whatever it is that you do to get yourself through the short end of the season in the playoffs that we have coming up. But the the long and short of it is the Orioles don't need J.J. Hardy in the lineup every day to be able to win out the AL East. That's a great position to be in.
0: Yeah. Um there was mention of a possible quarter zone shot. J.J. Um, Hardy has had that before. Everyone says that they're hoping he's going to be ready before the Friday doubleheader. Buck says don't hold the O's to that. So I think you're absolutely right. I don't think Buck is going to be rushing this back anytime soon. I would like to see him back sometime during the Yankee series, as that would give him a two-week stretch to get back into a routine, both at shortstop but also at the plate more. So um, I think J.J. Hardy is a crucial part of this lineup, and um, I would just like to getting some at bats as well, especially since he evidently said that he had issues during batting practice. And this is why he went back to Baltimore.
1: Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm just not ready to hit the panic button. Is that fair? That's fine. That's fine. Um, Next on off topic is
0: uh, Steve Pierce back in the lineup. Um, We'll see how he holds up. As of Monday, he just made a great slide into second base and broke up a double play and allowed some additional runs to score. So Steve Pierce is still playing at the hard level that he has been playing throughout this entire season. So kudos to Steve Pierce on that. Um, You know, again, it comes back to, I'm not sure how big of a deal it was with Steve Pierce, but it's good that, like you said, nine and a half game you're able to rest these players. Um, next part I want to make is again, resting players and that's Darren O'Day and Andrew Miller were both skipped several times in the bullpen this week. Um, with some nagging injuries, Darren O'Day had his hamstring issue. Um, and Andrew Miller had an ankle issue where he kind of rolled it. Um, again, is it an innings thing? Is it just nagging injuries regardless? It's a great time to give these guys some rest going right up into the final stretch of the season.
1: Absolutely. And the, the benefit of this is that we have a lot of guys in the bullpen that can do a lot of things. It's the Swiss Army Knife out there. These two have been the most efficient, or the most effective, rather, in our bullpen, and I will give you that. But I feel like it's not a death knell to have these two guys unavailable for a few days
0: towards the end. Okay. And um, if, if the bullpen is the Swiss Army Knife of this, uh, of this team, what does that make a Balda Jimenez on that Swiss Army Knife? Um. What tool would he be in the Swiss Army? Yeah, history? I know exactly what he'd be. He's the loose screw. Okay. I was thinking the can opener because he's always opening a can of worms.
1: Yeah, I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not feeling that one. Not feeling that one. Okay. I, uh, think it, he's, it, it, I think he's the corkscrew because when he pitches, I need a
0: drink. Honestly, Jake, if you want witty and humorous situations in order to give what people are, you should check out the Baltimoreans episode this week because, uh, they came up with a bunch of great nicknames
1: for some of the new Orioles. No, I, I am in, in I'm I'm on strike on the Baltimoreans. I'm on strike for the Baltimoreans. Ooh. Two two reasons. Okay. First, you mentioned my wife laughed out loud while listening to them in a way that made me jealous. Well, they are clevering. You know, funny and All right, you're making <laughs> me jealous too. The second thing is that they they muffed a very important nickname. They went through their update and I get that, that's fine. Yeah. They went to Caleb Joseph, they did not they did not come up with Caleb Throsif. Yeah, that was a disappointment. And I feel that, that was a failure on I, their part. I also
0: feel like they forget forgot to mention the Wizard of Gauze. That's a, it's a little disappointing, guys. Just... Pick it up, okay? I know you've been out of practice for a few weeks now, but just pick up the pace.
1: All right. Um, last thing in the uh, in the medical wing I want to talk about was uh, Matt Wieters has his LASIK surgery. Uh, what do you make of this? Is he going to be able to shoot lasers from his eyes next season? I'm thinking that his eyeballs are going to pop out sometime during midseason next year because
0: that's the Orioles' luck. All right. Well, on that amazing note,
1: I feel like we should go to the twat.
0: This week on the Twitter. First bit on the Twitter comes back to... Uh, a tweet actually to Buster. Oh,
1: oh, on the Twitter. so we got the we got a tweet.
0: Yeah, imagine that. That's amazing. Yeah, this went to Buster only, and it came from one of our followers, uh, Godzilla. Um, and you can follow him at Godzilla. And he writes to Buster only, saying Miguel Gonzalez throws a complete game shutout and doesn't even get a mention on the podcast. Buster only post. Take it as a compliment. The
1: AL East isn't even a race right now. Love it. Love it. The next two on the twat are actually from Ryan Wagner, who tweets at wag 614 As you know, he's the PA voice of the, uh Oriole Park Camden Yards. The first one we're going to hit is this. How soon before we can put an O's jersey on the new Ray Rice statue for the playoff O's run? Oh, here we go, here And the tweet goes as such. How soon before we can put an O's jersey on the new Ray Lewis statue for the playoff run? Um... I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get a, a, a t-shirt big enough to go on to uh, the Squirrel Dance Ray Lewis. It was pretty here. impressive. Can can I just quick throw this out? I know, sure. I know we we try not to squeeze too much Ravens content in here, but I, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the game. My brother-in-law Dan. Oh, so it was your fault. Yeah. My brother-in-law Dan uh, got a ticket at the, at the last minute, and I really appreciate being able to go. Uh, Ray Lewis uh, was introduced at halftime. He spoke to the crowd, and, and for a Ray Lewis speech, it was actually remarkably lucid, and um, but I thought it was cool he so uh Jake, give me the bottom line <laughs> he brought johnny Unitas, uh Johnny Unitas's, uh widow out onto the field with him and thanked her for uh allowing him to share that stage with her husband i thought it was a nice that's pretty nice was
0: that's a pretty nice job um going to our next tweet, this also came out, and uh there was a lot of you know chips on the shoulder with Baltimore fans attacking a lot of uh, Let's just say sabermetricians and national media. And uh, Craig Car- Cartera, who posts on Harbaugh Talk for uh, NBC Sports, uh, sent a tweet over to Ryan Wagner. And it says, as a member of the national media, I am party to the secret conspiracy for us to all underrate and disrespect all things Baltimore.
1: I knew it. I knew it. You did indeed. All right. Let's move on to something a little more local and a little the Illuminati. less – and a little less conspiracy-oriented. Uh, this is Dan Connolly, who tweets, at Don Can- uh, Dan Connolly's son. He said, About to board flight to Boston. Still amazes me all the Orioles' T-shirts and hats on these flights now. First 11 years on the beat, saw none. Last three, filled. That, that's good to see. I mean,
2: that's not
0: too surprising, based on what we've seen in terms of uh, you know people traveling and supporting this team, but still, really nice sign to see. Um, I'm going to finalize this up jake and this is kind of well let's just say we're, we're really good at promoting or something um there's an individual that follows us his name is at elo underscore chop and he says wait do you guys
1: have a podcast if so where do i find it well somebody follows us on twitter and has no idea that we have a podcast evidently we suck at this yeah we do suck at this
0: but you know what we're really good about this week was me going around and giving out t-shirts for those individuals that follow us and pack the yard And, um, well, let's just say the game that I went to, there really wasn't that many people packing the yard. Jake, I know you had a beef about it because there really wasn't that many people there to give the T-shirts to. Let's go talk to somebody about packing the yard and this lack of audience. Moi? Have a beef? I don't believe it. Let's get the soapbox out.
1: Gotta have a complaint to make. Don't you always have a complaint to make? Yeah, but this time I'm serious. Look, people are not getting back to where they once belong, and I'm I'm strictly speaking here about Oriole Park at Camden Yards. You and I have talked about attendance in the past. This week, I was a little disappointed, uh, but that's not actually a universal opinion. And so, I thought rather than me just yelling at you, as is per our normal, uh, we would bring somebody in that would really class up the joint. Uh, so we've invited Andrew Stetka, who made his his, his opinions known on Twitter uh, to me this week and uh, wanted to make sure that we, we got him on to uh, to talk maybe more than 140 characters at a time. So, Andrew, thanks for joining us on Bird's Eye View.
2: Hey, it's an honor, guys. I'll do my best to uh, to class it up, as you say.
1: <laughs> you can only go
2: up. <laughs> all right, first of all,
1: before we get into this, I just wanted to thank you because I feel like you're one of the few voices on the Orioles Twitter sphere where it's like when you have a disagreement— um, that doesn't mean the other side is evil and stupid and broken. Um, uh, no,
2: never, never.
1: Uh, it, it, Ignorant, I mean, maybe. I mean, look,
2: it gets, it, gets, it gets, uh, There's a lot of vitriol, you know, spewed out there at times. But, um, but you know, it, it's important to remember that while we're uh, while we're throwing things out there, as you said, 140 characters at a time. Um, we're all we're all on the same side here, and 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 we're also we're we're all discussing a game, which is which is fun, and 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 what makes it fun is that we're discussing a, a game and, and a team is now winning. <laughs> but it, it was a lot harder to do this, uh, you know, prior to three years ago.
1: Absolutely. All right. So, but before I start spewing my own vitriol, t- tell me why does the attendance figure, as it stands, and how it's going recently, not bother you?
2: Well, I, I've got a little bit of an interesting perspective on this, only because I grew up uh, you know, in Maryland, I grew up in the Baltimore area, right up there in Bel Air and spent, you know, my first, uh, 21, 22 plus years of my life going to Oriole games. Um, and I was going to, and I, and I went to a lot of Oriole games as a kid. I mean, I was attending, um, anywhere between 20 and 40 games a year, at least, um, you know, all, all throughout my childhood. So attendance is something that, you know, I, I never saw big attendance numbers at Oriole Park, um, you know, throughout my childhood, because as I said, the team wasn't winning. I mean, we, there was a stretch there, as we all know, of 14 straight losing years. So attendance was never something that bothered me too much um, as a kid because it was just it was the norm back then. Um, but I, about three and a half years ago, I moved out west, uh, as some know, to Arizona, and I've been living out here since then. And and you know, since then the team has been winning. So you know, maybe maybe I was the problem, but uh, that's that's another another discussion for another day. But as i as I've kind of seen the the winning come back to the team the you know the fans have have come out of the woodwork, um, you know whether it be on social media or at the games and it's not always at the games, as you said, the attendance numbers at times have have really been been pretty down. but at the same time, when you look at the grand scheme of things, um since the team has 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 gotten back to its winning ways, the support for the team has obviously been there, and the support has gone back up and 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 fans are starting to come back to the team um as was expected throughout you know throughout a losing streak like they had, um, everyone kind of believed that if if winning started to come, the fans would come back. And 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 when you truly look at the numbers and, and the breakdown of it overall, that has gone on. Now, I think what you've seen a lot of over the past few weeks, um, really since September started and maybe even even into the last week of August, is that attendance has dipped. Well, the the, the the tried and true reason for this is it. This happens every year, and it happens in every ballpark, all 30 of them across the country. Once you know the fall starts to roll around, uh, once kids starting to start going back to school, uh, once parents start getting back into the normal routine, uh, you know, once summer vacations start to end, you see some attendance numbers dip, especially during these midweek games. Um, now you can go back, and and I, I did this last week when I was having some conversation with some friends and some and some fans on Twitter about this and I looked at uh you know what some of the attendance numbers were in early September for midweek games back in the early 90s or mid 90s when the team was you know competitive and and, and good then and, and and you have to remember they were debuting in the ballpark at the time too the you know Oriole Park at Camden Yards was very young at the time so that's obviously a draw as well and there were games against the, the Kansas City Royals and against the New York Yankees and against the Texas Rangers where the team in the middle of the week was drawing over forty thousand fans. So there definitely is a, a little bit of a gap there than the fifteen to twenty thousand that we've seen, you know, here in the past few weeks. But I think that that's still a major factor when you talk about, uh, you know, the attendance numbers, especially what we've seen, you know, here here in in, in the recent recent memory and, 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 and why it's dropped so much is, is people are getting back into their routine and and, and there's one other factor here that, that we, you know, we, we don't really like to to compare or discuss. But there's also now a football team in Baltimore, and a lot of that entertainment dollar has to go elsewhere. And when football comes back around in in you know late August and early September, um, fans some fans turn their attention elsewhere. They they turn it away from the baseball team and they turn it to the football team. So. Well. You know that that always plays plays a major factor as well.
1: Let me let me see if I can if I can uh, break down some of that. I abs- absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you on, on several points, and I want to start with school. Um, the Monday that school started, uh, you could see just awful attendance, and I, I get that. Um, my concern is that, as you noted, there was a, a huge drought for the Orioles. Fourteen years of of terrible, and, and when I say the word terrible, I feel like that's understating it. There's no way to describe the depths of despair that you would you would go to the ball game you would be with you know 9,000 of your closest friends and unless it was opening day you knew that there was no chance that this team was going to compete and so, of course, why would anybody show up to the ball game? It, w- it was basically—it was like an AA meeting.
0: So you <laughs> all came in with the same problem and said, "Yep, we have a problem." We're Orioles fans, and uh, it was difficult to come and accept
2: that. Y- you know, it got to the yeah, point. Yeah, you went to the game knowing that there wasn't going to be a lot of people there, and that you were going to have a really good chance of catching a foul ball. Right, and that, exactly. those, are the two, two, those are the two things. you right? were going
1: to have a ton of elbow room. There'd be no line of the concessions or the bathrooms. Look, and, and look, I I lived through it too, and I, I get it, but I feel like during that period, all people would say was this. God, if this team would just get better. If they could just sniff 500, I would be back. Or people saying, I'm not going to give Angelo's my money until he can prove that he can put a winner back on the field. And I feel like this was a very common sentiment throughout the town. And we're not at a a point anymore where I feel that the Orioles are in, in the show me state. You know, they came back in 2012 and everybody, you know, couldn't believe that they were winning. And then the end of the season came, and we were like, oh, my God, when is it going to drop off and and the other foot going to fall? And then it just had a monster September. But then in 2013, the question was, okay, that was great. Was it luck? Are they going to go back to being terrible? And though they didn't make the playoffs, they were a pretty good team in 2013. And pretty good, again, is a lot better than the doldrums that we had been given. But the two things about those seasons is that they snuck up on us. There was no reason for the Oriole fans to have any faith in it. I, and Scott and I were among them. We, we started this podcast before the 2012 season started, and we, we thought they were going to lose 100 games that year.
0: Yeah, we basically kept on saying throughout that 2012 season, the shoe's eventually going to have to drop. You know, they're playing out of their mind. The bullpen is playing way too good for what they are. And, um, well, that shoe never dropped, and it wasn't until August or September where we kind of started changing our tune saying, Maybe this team does have it in them. You know, you get enough of good games behind it, and you're like, I
1: actually believe this team can win. You have a, a winning season in 2013. Again, no playoffs, but winning. And here in 2014, the winning ways of the Orioles is not a new thing, and it is not a, a thing that's snuck up on anybody. In September, the Orioles have a nine-and-a-half game lead in the AL East. They're the odds-on favorites to win the AL East. And so all these fans who have been abused and have been waiting for the Orioles to come back now have every opportunity to pack the park and go to baseball games that, believe it or not, the Orioles are probably going to win that game if you show up. And so whereas I, I get the fact that you know it's tough when school's in session, I cannot believe for a second that there aren't people that are not affected by schools that aren't going down to the ballpark. Um, the Baltimore area has a 2.7 million uh, metropolitan area when you count Columbia, Baltimore, and Towson areas. That's excluding all the ridiculous extremities that people come from when you talk about York and Wilmington and all the you know Northern Virginia and that that crazy stuff.
2: Well, I'll you know I'll agree with basically everything you said there too, but you know and and, and to touch on some of those things. You know, there's also the factor of, and I, and I alluded to it before, there's also the factor of the entertainment dollar. Um, you know, uh, number one, we know that this team's going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people are, you know, perhaps saving their saving their pennies over these last few weeks and maybe even over the next few weeks in order to maybe go to one or two games in October um, because those are the ones that obviously really count at this point. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know I've spoken to a lot of people who, you know, haven't gone out the last few weeks. Um, maybe we'll try to get to one or two games here down the stretch in September um, after the team is clinched, or maybe they want to try to go to the game that, that you know maybe they want to try and get get to that game that the team has the potential to clinch during uh, to be able to celebrate there. But a lot of a lot of people are pinching pennies right now, um, and part of that is the economy, and part of that is is the fact that playoff tickets are are going to be pricey, and they're you know they're more expensive than regular season tickets. Um, so people are trying to save up for that, and, and people want to be there. Um, for October baseball because it's not something that you know that people get to experience very often. Um, some people got to experience a couple of games of it in 2012, but um, before that, you know, it was 1997. I mean, I was I was I was an eight year old kid and I was there. But um, you know, the memories are of that of an eight year old kid, not a, not of a you know, grown adult who really truly knew knew what was going on. So you know, people want to experience that. Um, people want to be able to go to that. So people are pennies for it put their investment in, and their time and their interest into that as well. Um, and then there's also another team that we're not even thinking about or factoring in here, and that's the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals We're not around, um, you know, back when the Orioles were packing Oriole Park. Um, it's, you know, it's a short drive down there to D.C. to go see a game down there as well. Um, I think that the, the Orioles fan base, you know, I don't think it took a major impact when the Nationals moved from Montreal, but I think it took a small one, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's something to be mentioned and, and, and factored in as well. I think the DC
0: point is a really good point. Um, you know, it, not just from the aspect of limiting the fan base, which again is a huge deal, but um, also in terms of just the businesses around the Washington DC area as well. You have a lot of individuals right around uh, outside of DC that basically have taken their season ticket packages in order to entertain clients and moved it down into the Nationals ballpark. That is a lot of season ticket plans lost coming up to the Baltimore Orioles too. And that's a lot of tickets that are given away to workers and to clients and to individuals that know each other. And um, that business loss has been a big key. And that's also one of the reasons why the Orioles have been taking such a massive role in reshifting out to their um, front office in terms of trying to get more business to come in and support that team.
1: Look, Scott, now I hear you. I I do. And, and Andrew, I hear you as well about the the impact of the team moving into the the area. But when I gave you the figures for the uh, Baltimore metropolitan area, I only went as far as Columbia. I understand, that. and 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 I'm and I'm not including the Washington uh, media. And even if you want to call it a combined media because a uh, media market, because I feel in a lot of ways it, it was. I mean, I went to school in D.C. I, I'm I'm very close to that area, but there are media markets much like this that support more than one team in that amount of space. All right,
0: Jake, I'm going to throw this at you too. I'm going to come back to one of the biggest arguments why people don't go to the baseball game, and that is because of HDTV. The Orioles currently in Major League Baseball are top 10 in terms of household rating. The Orioles have a 6.03 household rating, which is bringing in 66,000 viewers on a given night to watch Orioles baseball. I just don't know how much of a market share there really is out there for the Orioles to really go out and get. Yes, I realize there's 2.7 million, but as Andrew has pointed out, people are cash-strapped right now. I'm actually, Jake, I've got a confession for you. I actually sold my tickets against the Yankees just to try to basically pay for some of my playoff tickets.
1: Yeah, that's all good and fine. But you and Andrew and I are old men with children. And this Andrew's year- not really that old, much of an old man. I mean, we're old, but Andrew's a young. Well, dog.
2: I'm, old, I'm old mentally, so okay, that's, that's, that's that works.
1: You're, you're, you're old in soul, so that's okay. We'll, we'll continue on. Exactly. <laughs> that is not the only demographic that buys tickets. And and to your point, Andrew, you know, I understand times are tough, but at the same time, a ball game uh, a ticket can be had for nine dollars. Um, the other thing I, I will say, you mentioned the football team, and, and uh, I wanted to address that real quick. You know, Baltimore has a, a football team and a baseball team, and the football team is not new, which means that uh, it's had time to, to the, the media market has had time to uh, adjust to it. And this is an area that is not big enough to support football and baseball and hockey and, bas- and uh, basketball, which is why we don't have those two other sports. But it can support. Uh, baseball and football, especially when the baseball uh, team has been so bad and is I'm and is a novel thing as a contender. Sorry, I'm sorry, Jake. I'm going to have to
0: disagree with you. I'm going to come back to similar metropolitan areas, and you, got, you were all about this 2.7 million. Let's go to other similar metropolitan areas. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Seattle, Milwaukee, Kansas City, all teams that were suffering losers for numerous years, and all of those attendances are right around what the Orioles are this year. Okay, so does that ex- does that excuse their fans as well, Jake? I'm just saying that if you have a population demographic of multiple other cities throughout multiple regions, and they're all pre- behaving exactly like Baltimore, how can you take grievance with Baltimore fans? Because well, they're not I'll showing also, up to I'll the interject park.
2: Here too, in saying that, you know, you mentioned pits, cities like Pittsburgh and, and Milwaukee and Kansas City. Um, all these teams, as you said, have had you know perennial losers and 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 football teams there as well. You got to remember too that when the Ravens were going, or excuse me, when the Orioles were going through their their little fourteen year uh, hiccup, if you if you want to call it that, <laughs> uh, the Ravens won two Super Bowls in that span. You know, the, yep. the, the Ravens were you know uh, you know a, a perennial contender and only had a couple of seasons where they were really down. Um, they were they were a model, a model of consistency, and while they're they're obviously going through their issues right now on the field and off, um, you know, they at the time they won over. A ton of Orioles fans that had been, you know, treated poorly by by, by the team, by the Orioles on the field. Uh, they won over a ton of baseball fans and, and converted them. And there's a whole generation as well of you know of, of those fans' children now who are going to grow up as uh, you know, Ravens fans number one and Orioles fans second. And that's I think a big factor. And I agree with you that the Baltimore market uh, could not ever support an NBA and or an NHL franchise because it's having a hard enough time supporting, you know, a football and a baseball franchise.
0: Um, so I definitely think there's support out there. My question for you, Jake, is why are you so big on attendance? Is it just because of the support issue or is there something else?
1: No, it is It is the support issue. You know, I, Well, then you're absolutely full of crap, so we're going to go on to the next topic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Well, I'll say this. I was, As you guys know, I was back in town uh, a few weeks ago for about a week, and I attended two games, and – you know, it, it had been a little while since I had really been back in town and, and, and roaming around the city. I, I was pretty impressed, and uh, I wouldn't say the word is surprised, but I was, I was impressed and a little proud, and, and, and I got a little teary-eyed at seeing how much orange was being donned across the city just, you know, walking around and, and not even attending a game if I was going to, you know, going to a store or, or doing this or doing that. People are, people are out there supporting, even if they're not – even if the butts aren't in the seat, people are wearing the orange crowd. They're talking about it more. Well,
1: you know, I, I will say – and we're going we're gonna to end on this and, and ask you a couple quick questions about something else in just a second. But, uh, you know, again, I totally, I totally see your point. Uh, I, I just would say that it, it's disheartening because that, that change that you allude to, um, you know, being in town, we've got to watch that organically happen. And you get to this point right. where, you know, I've been a diehard fan for all my life and, and, you know, ridiculed for it and got nothing out of it and, you know, just done nothing but unconditionally love this team and, and gotten nothing in return. And to see them finally get the support of the city is, is amazing. You know, there's this Wear Orange Wednesday thing, which is kind of like Purple Friday. And, and you know, the team, the team is finally being embraced by the, the town. And yet, you feel that all week, and then you you sit down and watch TV, and you see Camden Green instead of Oriole yeah. Orange. It really feels like, in a lot of ways, people are are talking the talk without without coming through on it. So, you know, may, maybe there's a bit of truth in in both sides, um, but I it can't help but but pull at my heartstrings when I see a beautiful ballpark like Camden Yards winning Orioles baseball and half-empty stands. Yeah,
0: you just want support and respect, and um that, that's all you want, but I, I want to go to talk to Andrew about this season, and I want to talk about the blog that he posted today on Mass um, and Sports, and you touched a little bit on the Orioles and the reliance for home runs and whether that will be successful or not in the playoffs, and I want to come back to your last paragraph in the article. i want to quote you. It says, I'm as confident as ever in this Orioles team. I've been picking my own brain over the past few weeks as the pennant chase heats up, figuring out what my biggest concern are once the O's get to the postseason. I have a fear of deja vu and seeing a repeat of 2012. And as I wrote last week, I'm enjoying the month of September and the fact that there was such a large lead that this team can coast to division title. But after that, it's anyone's guess. What are your biggest concerns once the Orioles get into the postseason? Is it the offense? Is it starting pitching? Is the depth on the bench or bullpen? Is it simply who will he will match up with in the ALDS and potentially further? Andrew, you didn't answer the question. What is your greatest fear?
2: Well, that's what I wrote about. And I think I, you know, that, that's kind of what I was alluding to. It is, you know, a deja vu of, of what happened in 2012. Right. Um, just, I don't want to see this offense disappear. And we've seen it a couple times mm-hmm. this year for a stretch for a week or, or maybe two weeks here and there where the bats just go cold and they score one run, two runs, you know, in a five or six day stretch. And that's, that's the fear. That's what it is. I, I know for a lot of people throughout the season, they've talked about how are they going to get over the, the injury of Matt leaders? How are they going to bounce back without Machado? Um, is the defense going to be sound enough with you know without that glove at third base? Is the starting pitching going to hold up? Did Buck wear out the bullpen too early in, in in early in the season when the starters weren't going deep that it's going to backfire later in the season and the bullpen's going to be worn out? My biggest fear still remains probably what the strength of this team is and that's the offense. Yeah, I... as we saw in 2012 in that in that division series against the Yankees, the pitching held up. You know they went toe to toe with the likes of CC Sabathia and the Yankees. And you know, heck, we had Joe Saunders win that win the wild card game for us. Uh, the pitching held up. The bullpen, aside from the Jim Johnson blow ups, we're not uh, talking about that. Series, that still hurts. Yeah, the, that, that was strong. The, the bats were nowhere. They were nowhere to be found. And if they would have scored another run or two here, another run or two there in that series, they're playing in the championship series and and you know possibly beyond. So that's 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 what the fear is to me. Um, and, and it's what I wrote about, as you said, this morning at MassSports.com. I'm fearful that the, this reliance on hitting the home run to win uh, is going to come back and bite them in the butt.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that to a certain regard. But again, um, my biggest aspect is, yes, I realize they write, you know, rely so heavily on the home run. And, you know, Zach Wilt at BaltimoreSportsReport.com also wrote about this as well. But, you know, I look at that offense in 2012 and I look at the offense in 2014 and it's night and day. I mean, I even go back to that ALDS series And I look at who our DH was for three of the games, and it was Lou Ford. And, you know, Lou Ford would not be on this team right now. I'm sorry. So I I look at this offense, and I see it as a much more well-constructed offense from top to bottom. And even in their bench players, I think are a lot better than it was in 2012. So could they get quiet? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it through the season. But is it going to happen in the postseason? We'll just have to wait and see. But I have faith that that's not going to happen. I'm going to come back to another article, and we're going to end on this, and it's An article you posted at Utah Street Report, and it's actually one of my favorite articles um, about the Baltimore Orioles, and I just pine over it all the time. Scott's getting a little misty-eyed. I I get a little misty-eyed. I actually had to go and buy you a beer because I just enjoy this article so much. But it's basically, it was called A Tax for Baltimore Baseball Fans. And um, I just think it was a great article because it basically just exemplifies how difficult it is to be a baseball fan because, like you said— for 14 years, we basically lived and grew up with not good baseball, and now we're in a situation where right. for three years we've had winning baseball. And when a loss happens, it's oh my gosh, hit the panic button. Um, and you can normally see that on Facebook or Twitter. But there's a great quote from there, and it says, "My question, the majority of the time, to Orioles fans nowadays isn't why not, but mostly just why, as in why the overreaction." Why the sudden re, uh, urge to rename yourself Buck Showalter or Dan Duquette? And why do you think that losing one game is the equivalent of falling back into a fourteen-year hole that was nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand and eleven? I think that sums up um, what being an Orioles fan right now is a perfect um, is just a perfect summary, and that's a year old now at this point. And I think it's actually a perfect answer as well to your article that you wrote today. Is yeah, you know, they've had bad games this season. But I, I can't imagine that. I'm not going to get panicked over those bad games. Bad games will happen in a 162-game season. I have faith in this offense, and I have faith in this team. This team has something magical going on, and um, I, I'm willing to roll the dice with them going into this postseason.
2: Yeah, as you said, I wrote that article about a, you know probably about a year and a half ago. I think it was last May um, for UtahStreetReport.com, and and it was coming off of, of course, the, the 2012 playoff season. and. And they had been winning, you know, last season. As you said, they had a winning season, and and this was something that you know it came to me before I wrote that article. I said people are freaking out around here. I I, I sat there and I questioned why it was, you know, why are why are, you know, I, I think for the first time in a long time, people were living and dying on every pitch with Orioles baseball, which was it's a new thing because. As you know, as we talked about, 14 years of losing will turn a lot of people off to every pitch. You know, if you miss a game here or there, um, you miss a week games here or there. It didn't really matter because they weren't they weren't competitive and they weren't winning. Nowadays, if you miss um, if you miss a game, it's 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 tragic. It's panic. You want to see every pitch. You want to see every game. You want to know what's going on. You want all the information. Um, and people, you know, I'll, I'll harken this back a little bit to the football team. Because people have such, nowadays, and this is not just in Baltimore, but everywhere, people have such a football mentality to every sport. Um, You know, sports nowadays is very reactionary. um, after, After one loss in football... You know, all hell breaks loose and it's panic mode. I mean, look at look at what Ravens fans, um, you know, are are saying today after a, an opening loss to the Bengals. Today might be a bad um, example, actually. Yeah, n- <laughs>
1: no, no, thank you. I don't want to look well, at it. But okay, true. point that's taken. <laughs>
2: aside aside uh, uh, the on the field stuff, aside from all the off the field issues with Ray Rice, but you're you know, absolutely the, right. Yeah. The on the I mean, the on the field stuff is is panic.
0: Yeah, I mean, when the let's come back to the game that earlier was yesterday and the Jacksonville Jaguars were beating the Philadelphia Eagles, and if you actually followed anything on Twitter with those Eagles fans, it was, oh my gosh, the whole team needs to be ripped apart and this is absolutely atrocious. Right. The Eagles came back and won that game pretty handily, but it was still a situation of, let's burn the whole town down, and then it was, all right, we're a good team again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're okay. We won by 17, even though we were losing by 17 at halftime. Exactly. Well, like I said, it's reactionary and it's, that's the way that's the way we are in society today and and with sports and with social media and everything is, is quick and give it to me. Now baseball is not like that. And it's not like that at all. And I think when I wrote that article a year and a half ago, I think it was more of a reminder of people to people that, that, that had followed the game, but maybe had forgotten that, um, that baseball is, is not a sprint. It's a 162 game marathon. And if you lose, um, you know, four or five games in a row, or if you go to Wrigley field and you get swept by the Cubs, cough, cough, you know, the the world is not coming to an end. And I think the, I think the, the contrary article to that, um, would have been the one that I, I, we mentioned before that I wrote last week at Madison and talking about, you know, not worrying this September because the Oilers have such a big lead, um, that it doesn't really matter what they do down the stretch. They're going to, they're going to coast to the division title and, and uh, they're going to, you know, that nobody's going to challenge them for it. And, and I think that that was, that was the important part is that, you know, not to be reactionary to realize that there are a lot of games and there's a lot going on and, it, you know, you got to take it all in and, and, and it's not that you can't react, but it's that you have to do it with a grain of salt. And, and you have to pay that tax, as I said in the article to, to, you know, be able to, to do it on a, on a rational level, especially when you're talking about a baseball team.
1: Well, you know, we started this. Uh, we started this segment uh, disagreeing wholeheartedly. We've ended, I think, in complete agreement. So I don't think that's the case. I think me and Andrew just won this conversation. So we've uh, we've talked our, we've talked ourselves <laughs> into circles, which is something we're good at here at Birds of You. Look, I have one last question for you, and frankly, it is the most important that we'll get to uh, at this point. Are you ready?
2: Um, I'm going to try.
1: All right. Uh, a staple here at Bird's Eye View, while we record, is of course our drink of the week. It is a very important right. segment to our, our, our show, and so I ask you, sir, what is your drink of the week?
2: Well, with summer kind of winding down, I mean, I, you guys know I live in Arizona, so summer's kind of year round out here. Rub but, it in, um, rub you know, it in. There's there's a, there's a really there's a really good beer that they brew out here. It's called Mister Pineapple, um, and that would be my drink of the week because it's it's a very light, summery uh, kind of a a good fruit beer that you would want to go out and drink, uh, while standing in the, uh, blistering 100 degree heat out here so that, that that'll be my choice
1: i'm suddenly very jealous very jealous all right well andrew stetka you uh were wrong about almost everything but we're thrilled that you uh <laughs> that you took the time to come and talk to us we highly encourage everyone to go out to both massinsports.com to utahstreetreport.com as well as to check him out on twitter andrew is a must follow he is at a stetka andrew thank you so much for uh for joining us
2: Gentlemen, I, I had a blast, and uh, thanks a lot. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Sounds like a
1: plan.
0: Jake, we're gonna do a segment tonight called Around the Diamond. Um, we're just gonna break down a few articles that have been kind of going around Birdland lately. Um, and the first one that we want to talk about is Matt Wheater's continuing to progress from elbow surgery. And you can find this article on Orioles.com. And we'll we'll go ahead and post the link yeah, we'll post in the show notes. To it. Um this was the one quote that I, I want to focus on from MLB.com on Weeder's recovery. End quote. Um, it seems like about every two weeks or two, uh, every week or two, we'll get a good breakthrough with something and move forward. Weeders said. Then we'll have another week or two of uh, and get past that next phase, or we're feeling where we're trying to get it back to the feeling as normal as possible, as possible, as quick as possible. But it's all going well, said Weeders. We'll keep getting closer to it. Weeders admitted he won't know if he will be able to have a full spring training until he resumes throwing, which may not happen until November. Jake, I've read a few Orioles articles about injuries this year, and um, you, are, do you have an optimistic
1: feel about reading those kind of quotes? Yeah. I, I didn't love hearing, well, I mean, things seem to be going okay, but we won't really know until... At the same time, I, I feel like we're in the medical era of you know, the Tommy John surgery bringing guys back stronger than before. So... To say I'm I'm optimistic, sure. I mean Matt Wheaters finally had the offensive season we were all hoping for before he went down with the injury, and by all accounts he'll his arm will be just fine. Sure, why not be optimistic? To be honest with you, I really don't care because Caleb Joseph isn't playing out of his mind, so you know, I want to be careful about that because I feel like we take for granted what we had with Matt Weeders just because we've gotten good enough play from the catcher oh, don't, don't get me wrong i it love is not good enough I, mean, I love me some caleb joseph and, and nick hunley has has also contributed well let's not get carried away we've gotten good enough play from our catchers but we had matt Weeters, and I, I feel like a lot of fans are forgetting that and it will be a lot harder to forget that if he goes to another team, we have to play 19 times a season. That's fair. But again, I don't think you're realizing how good Caleb Joseph has been behind the plate in terms of pitch framing. All right. So that was our first base segment, uh, portion rather of the around the diamond segment. Let's go on to second base. Uh, this is an article that we pulled from Sports Illustrated. And again, we will post the link on the, on the show notes. This is from Mel Antonin, who's on, uh, on Masson from time to time on the national side. He did a write up on Steve Pierce. Uh, and, and it was a great write-up because it it really was a summary of just his journey through the last couple of years, and a great quote from Steve Pierce where he says, "All I wanted to do was play for the Orioles. I love it here." Look, there is there is no part of you as an Oriole fan that can read this article and not feel awesome about Steve Pierce. The, this season has been so amazing. A guy who has just given his all to be you know a, a, a super sub or a you know utility player or hanger on in a major league club finally getting the opportunity to shine and uh, he couldn't be a better guy and isn't that great to see uh, on the Orioles gosh gee whiz it's just wonderful to see Steve Pearce though
0: big contribution to why the Orioles are so good this season without him uh, the Orioles would not be winning this division especially if he would have gone to Toronto which was the possibility when he was released Jake, let's take third base. And, All right, before
1: you take third base. Oh, you, I, I want to take third base. No, you take it. I'm just saying get get the coin sound ready. Um, okay,
0: fair enough. The Orioles players have been, um, very. Well, let's just say they've been very familiar with a word lately, and it's the S word. Oh, come on, give it to me. I can't say it because I'm just going to get bleeped out. Are you afraid to say shit <laughs> on the air? I, I'm afraid to say shit <laughs> on the air. Um, but, Jake, Miguel Gonzalez got pied and then said OS, and Bud Norris also <laughs> said the S word as well. You don't want to edit this. That's what this is all about. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to give our audience some clue of what we're talking about, um, if they didn't follow Twitter or media at all. All right.
1: It's a word that rhymes with hit, and it sounds a lot like...
0: You're not- <laughs> you are an <laughs>
1: <a-hole>. <laughs> What is it about the Orioles pitchers that they uh they just gotta drop the S bomb?
0: Uh I don't know. I'd rather we uh, be dropping more F bombs
1: though with Ryan Flaherty hitting Dong. So Look, here's the thing. I know that the FCC doesn't go after stations for obscenities when they're used during a live sporting event, but uh, do you think that maybe somebody's pulled the Orioles pitching staff aside and said, hey, guys, can you stop? That would require someone in Orioles' public relations, and I just don't think it exists. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at home plate, and and the story that I've got here is September 6th. Is there a better day?
0: as an Orioles fan. It is a blessed day in Orioles history. You've got twenty one thirty one, of course. And then you've got Eddie's five hundredth home run the next year following it. And then you've got the Cal Ripkins
1: st- what? I don't think you have the timeline right there. I think, think Eddie's what? game came first. And then uh twenty one thirty one was after that. I don't think you're right. I think it's nineteen ninety
0: seven. I'm a, I almost guarantee this. Nineteen ninety six was Cow Ripkin. Nineteen ninety seven was um Actually, 1995 was the situation with Ripken. 97 was the Eddie Murray game. 500th home run.
1: All right. You're right and I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cal Ripken statue game in 2012, again, was a magical night on September 6th with the Orioles, um, let's just say, beating the Yankees senseless, losing the lead and tying it up, and then them coming back and beating the Yankees senseless. The beautiful thing about that that uh, 2012
1: game was that it started— what, Was it because the whole stadium was filled? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there, was, there was that. <laughs> but it it was a game that started as a celebration for the Cal statue, and then it became so much more it It became twenty twelve encapsulated. You know you had the Orioles, and yes, it was not only a full stadium but it was full for really the first time against the Yankees with all orange and you had the Orioles come back and beat the Yankees in a dramatic electrifying way. That game in the eighth inning, I think it was featured four oriole home runs to make the statement of not only we're going to beat you but we're going to embarrass you was it four or three it was four i think it was three it was four Do this not is the
0: person that basically just said that eddie murray's i've i've watched before i've
1: watched this game on oriole's classic so many times okay how many times have you seen that game too many okay anyway the beautiful thing about that game is that it it, it it started as a link to the past and it became about the future and it's it's a very special game i was so thrilled to have been there and it's just it's great to watch that's the best game if you've seen correct no uh it's one of them but it's not the best okay but you, it's, you cannot tell me that that game compares over uh jim johnson striking out alex rodriguez in the playoffs how many,
0: that, how many times did you see that replay by the way
1: too many okay by the way it's only three home runs in the bottom of the eighth all right so there were four total then
0: there were six total that
1: night how many
0: times have you seen this game? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, going back to around the diamond, we're gonna we're gonna slink back to the dugout after having a uh, round of the bases. Uh, Scott, reports of the Orioles' demise after the sweep in Chicago were somewhat premature. The Orioles came home and had a nine and two homestand, so now here are the Orioles fans having to deal with dropping two or three in Tampa. Have we learned anything from that Chicago experience? Um, It was really
0: interesting to see Buck Showalter put out a D lineup on Sunday, basically saying, "Um, you guys need to get over this whole thing. We have a a nine-and-a-half game lead. We're going to play the players that we want to play, and you guys need to get over this whole game-to-game aspect. And amazingly, Nelson Cruz said, I got this, and basically took the game under his control and won the game. Hop on my shoulders. Grandma opened the door. We're walking through. So... Orioles fans, you know, like we were talking to Andrew about, you know, don't worry about it. Things are well within control. Again, this is a situation of buy your playoff tickets. Get ready for October. It's coming. It's you're just mad. of just counting down the days now. And it's not that big of a deal. Um, it's going to be really fun in October. It's kind of just waiting for Christmas to come
1: now. Well, Scott, let's uh, let's go ahead and pull this to a close. I feel like you need to do some gloating. Yeah, I think I do. When it comes to twisting I just got to keep insisting Oh baby, you should do swing When it comes to twisting I just got to keep
2: insisting Oh
1: daddy, hey, you are the king
2: Baby, you've got me beat up and down Inside, out and across Oh yeah
1: But in the middle of the night When the moon is shining bright
0: Yes, Jake, I am the boss this year for 2014. And in an all or for nothing category, um, we basically went with innings pitch per game. I took Miguel Gonzalez, who pitched a complete game shutout. Um you know, that just basically shut the door right there as soon as that happens. So, Jake, I'm the winner with Miguel
1: Gonzalez. What can I, I say? I can't come back at this point. You have taken such a commanding lead that even if I were right every week from here on out to the end of the season. Scott, you are the boss in fantasy this year. Yep. So you won last year. I won this year. But
0: much like the 2014 Boston Red Sox, Jake, you have been eliminated from contention.
1: Ah, <sighs> that hurts. So, look, it's pointless for us to continue to do this whole fantasy boss thing if there's nothing to win. So I I suggest, Scott, that we retire this segment for 2014. We'll bring it back next year. But that means we've got some dead air we've got to fill. Yeah, what can we do with that? Well, here's the thing. I, I feel that we've got really two options. We can come up with something original and creative and new and groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we can blatantly rip something off. Yeah. I feel like the latter is, it's really easier. It's
0: easier. I think that's, you know, definitely who we are. We're just going to rip somebody off. So. All right, well, let's let's do this. We'll
1: we'll rip something off. We'll call it an homage because okay. that... that that makes that, it sound fancy right, than it actually right. is. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt quite so bad. You and I are, are old men, so we don't get to stay up uh, late to watch some of those late-night shows. Um, but on, you on mean the shows past 9 o'clock? That's right. Yeah. But on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, there is an excellent uh, uh, bit that they've done from time to time. And we're going to go ahead and, and borrow it for this segment. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do it again as, as time permits throughout the rest of the season. But Scott, you always struck me in the time that we've done this podcast and, and even longer that we've known each other as an honest person. That was your first mistake right there. Yeah, but but I, I think that it's more important that we find out which of us is more honest. Oh, And so we're going to go ahead and do it. We're going to rip it off. It's time for truth or truth. You even have music. This is amazing. Yeah.
0: Jake, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first?
1: I tell you what, you always uh, make me go first for good and bad. The other. Why don't we have you go first for, uh, for truth or truth? All right, Jake, truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth.
0: All right, Jake, first question for you. Jake, would you trade Buck Showalter back to the Texas Rangers for you, Darvish?
1: Absolutely not. so it's that time yes it's that time i'm gonna ask you i want you to think carefully before you answer all right i'm thinking scott truth or truth i'm gonna go with truth it's a wise choice what has been your lowest point in your orioles fandom what is the moment that almost broke you that's got to be the situation after
0: ALDS game number one in 2012, where I literally threw my backpack across a Baltimore street in front of your wife and made her almost gasp in horror about how immature and childish I actually was.
1: The best part of that is that you had an answer ready right, right away.
0: There. Yeah, we don't have this staged at all.
1: <laughs> Jake? Truth or truth? Uh, what the hell? We'll go with truth. Jake?
0: Would you take a body shot off of David Lowe's abs if it prevented him from ever
1: taking the field again? I'm going to say I wouldn't even take that latter requirement. The answer is yes. I'm I'm so thrilled that you asked a question about David Lowe's abs. So uh, we're going to take this as a segue. Scott, truth or truth? Truth, of course. Which of David Lowe's abs is your favorite? All of them? Oh, no, no. Which is your favorite?
0: I can't pick. You're just going to let me go with all of them. I love them equally.
1: For me, it's clearly uh, top uh, left. Well, you've always struck me as a top left kind of guy. Jake, truth or truth? Uh,
0: truth? Jake. If you had a one-night affair with Derek
1: Jeter, what would you want in your gift basket? I would not. I would want nothing but re two pecked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I'm a classic girl. I want you're, nothing but re two pecked. You're pretty good with that. <laughs> All right, last one here. Are you ready? Yeah, Scott. Truth or truth? Truth. <laughs> All right, we've asked a bunch of Orioles questions, but now that I've got you in the truth of truth, I need to ask you a very important question. What is your all time favorite guilty pleasure pop song by a female artist? Um,
0: I'm going to go with Lady Gaga Telephone. Wow. <laughs> I judge you, sir,
1: so hard right now. Can I can't say it's
0: guilty pleasure?
1: I feel like that's the kind of ending that is only right for for a a, a a truth or truth segment here in Birds Eye View. So that that was it. That's truth or truth, a blatant ripoff, but one that we are more than happy to do. And with that, Scott, that was that was
0: not good. No, that was not good. But it was pretty bad. But actually, more so, it was ugly.
1: That's right, it's that time. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. This segment, you know, it's a little different because we we like to relive the things that went well. The things that that weren't so good, and the things that frankly make us embarrassed to be Orioles fans. Each week we we give our good and bad and the ugly in hopes that uh, it'll be better next time. Scott, do you want to go first or you want me to go first this week? I'm going to have you go first this week. (laughs) Like every other week, I will go first only because... The rants of Scott Magnus greatly exceed my own in quantity and quality. So let's go ahead and start. I'm going to go with my good for this week, and my good is Nick Hundley. You poo-pooed this earlier, but this week Nick Hundley in his limited playing time provided all that we needed. He had only eight at-bats, and in that time he got three hits with three RBIs as, as well as a walk. His slash line was 375, 444, 750. And his OPS was 1194. Look, Nick Hundley has been producing for this club in a support role. It's the kind of uh, production we need from our, our role players. Scott, what's your good this week? I'm going to go with the uh, AL player of the week, which was Nelly Cruz.
0: Nelly Cruz is absolutely... Oh, he was good this week, huh? Yeah, he, he was pretty good this week. You know, that 7-RBI... Uh, situation that he had on sunday's game you know basically winning the game for the team but 12 rbis over the past week four home runs yeah that's pretty good um nelson cruz turning up up a little bit getting a little hot if nelson cruz and chris davis can get hot right before october there's not gonna be anyone that's gonna stop the baltimore Orioles
1: throughout it throughout it well from your lips to the baseball god's ears all right i'm gonna go with my bad for the week and my bad is nick marcakis Nick Markekis was four for 22 this week. He, uh, he had three strikeouts. That's a 182 average. Look, at the top of the lineup, you need more from that. I don't need him to be an all-star every week, but I can't have my leadoff guy being 182. Doesn't happen often, but this week it did. Nick Markekis was bad. Jacob, my bad for the week is going to have to come back to
0: infield defensive miscues. And there has been a plethora of them this week from Ryan Flaherty to Paredes to Kelly Johnson to Chris Davis. It has been an absolute disaster in the infield defensively. And it's almost cost the Orioles some games as well. Um, In fact, there's been blown saves because of it. Um, You know, Jake. We talked about this before, and we've talked about, yes, the Orioles' ERA is lower than their FIP, but if the defense contributes like this, that ERA is going to skyrocket, and we're going to see a regression towards the FIP, which the Orioles do not want to see because that's going to make them a much below average team. Jake, defensive miscues, they're
1: on notice. All right. For my ugly this week, I'm going to step outside the box. Okay. I'm going to go to something we don't usually talk about. My ugly this week is Ravens-related. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. My ugly, Shockey Brown. Oh, thank God. Shockey Brown gave up the, the, the seminal play of the game, the, the the play that made all the difference in the Ravens game. I went there... I was there for the game. It was the first and probably the only Ravens opening day I'll ever be present for. The Ravens were awful in the first half. They were terrible almost through the entire game. They finally took the lead, and what happened? The very next play, Chucky Brown got burned to give the game away late. Gut punch. Cruel, cruel fate stepped in. Shocky Brown, this week you are
0: ugly. Jake, there really is only one ugly for this week, and Shockey Brown is not the ugly for this week. Jake, I think you know where I'm going with this. No. The ugly, obviously, for this week is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter and Derek Jeter Day on Sunday was the greatest joke of all time. Hey, you need to -to re-to-peck him. Okay. The fact that the man has a freaking patch and his whole teammates have to wear it for the rest of the season to honor his greatness is absolutely atrocious. I'll bet you he's uh, made quite a few ladies wear a patch. I'm sure he has made a few ladies wear many things. But, um, you know, the whole situation was very awkward from wearing patches to remembering a player before he retires. You know, I don't understand why this didn't wait until the last series of the season. Um, Or the first week of next season. Exactly. Just very awkward um, The whole situation and the coverage by Major League Baseball was absolutely disgusting in terms of idol worship. You know, I don't think I've ever seen something so uncomfortable before in my life. Um, you know, there's many appearances, one by Cal Ripken as well, which, you know, good for him for coming out there and supporting it. But this notion of a player being greater than the team really concerns me. Um, And I really don't think that's a situation where even when Ripken retired, that Ripken wanted to make it as bigger about himself. This always seems about a situation of let's make the player bigger than the team really is right now because there's no way that that team can be marketed besides Derek Jeter. And next year when Derek Jeter is gone, I don't know who the Yankees are going to market to. Robinson Cano should have been that individual, but the Yankees weren't able to sign him. Next year, I don't know who the Yankees are going to market to in terms of their national fan base because really... Who do they have left?
1: With that, Jake, that's my ugly. I think you, you said it all. I, I kept waiting to break in there to, to set you on the right path, but yeah, you said yeah. it all. With that, Jake, let's pull the save. I'm going to let you have a soapbox. Have at it for all a right, few, let me few just, seconds. let me just drag the soapbox out here. Yeah. I'm going to make sure it's the tall one because I need to get back up there. I teased it. You know, I teased it that we were going to talk about the Ray Rice thing, but, but we didn't for good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to do it now. If you want to hear an in-depth discussion of the Ray Rice situation, you need to make sure you go out to the BSR podcast. They did a bang-up job they of did. talking about it today. Bravo, gentlemen. Bravo. I, I think that they, they covered all the bases. Here's the thing about the Ray Rice situation. We've talked in the past about the fact that what he did was deplorable and that there's no excusing. But I want to make three points. The first is that the video that was released today should not have changed anyone's mind. There is absolutely no punch that can leave a woman unconscious that would be okay. There's nothing about that video that could have vindicated him. On the other hand, there's nothing about that video that could have made matters worse. The facts of the case were known. Ray Rice punched his fiancee and she lost consciousness. He admitted it, and that's what the video showed before you saw it and after. Should not have changed anything. The second point is that nobody today deserves a pat on the back. I've seen a lot on Twitter saying the Ravens finally did the right thing. The Ravens didn't do the right thing. Regardless of whether or not you think that Ray Rice should have had his contract terminated because of the way he behaved is completely irrelevant. The Ravens kowtowed to public outcry, and they only released Ray Rice when things got hard for them. In this instance, they had the option to either stand by their man, as as Tammy Wynette would say, or stand by their convictions, and in this case, they did neither. They did neither. They waited to see if they could hold out, and when they decided that things were just too uncomfortable, they cut bait. I don't credit the Ravens for how they handled this situation, even in the slightest. And the third point I want to make is that the NFL is becoming a farce. The NFL has investigators who couldn't do as good a job as TMZ. The NFL punished Ray Rice and then reset their policy, and then after all these things came to light in the public and they waited for the Ravens to take their act of cowardice, at that point, the NFL uh, indefinitely suspended Ray Rice? No. The NFL is simply trying to save face, and frankly, they're not doing it. The NFL has become a product that is increasingly difficult to support, whether it be the change of rules that that make it impossible to know what's good defense and what's barbaric uh, penalty raising. They are inconsistent with their penalties, and frankly, their business unit makes me sick. It was all over Twitter today, but I, I think one of the, the ones that I saw was Cody Colston who said, I love football. I hate the NFL. Everything about this Ray Rice situation has been awful. Everything. But before we indict the NFL and the Ravens and the sports community, the last point I want to make, Scott, is this. The only reason that this is being played out in the Court of Public Appeals is because New Jersey prosecutors were too chicken shit to do the jobs themselves. And the only reason that we are left with all of this is because there weren't 12 of their peers to figure out whether or not this is something that should be dealt with on a criminal basis or whether it's something that should be dealt with with public outcry. And so Twitter was a mess today. I hated having to sift through all that. I would really like to move on. Let the Rices figure out their personal business. Let the Ravens move on. And let the NFL try to stop the spiral of a declining product, which should be king. The NFL has a product which should be the best professional sport out there. And I feel like they're they're losing it. They're in real danger of jumping the shark. And their handling of this situation is another key example. With that, Scott, I'm going to put the soapbox away. I'm going to step down. And I'm going to step back.
0: Wow. The only thing I can say to that is just remember to set your fantasy lineup by
1: Thursday night. <laughs> I'll do my best. Okay.
0: Well, Jake, I think we've officially blown the save there, and I think, uh, well, let's just say if anyone is still listening to this episode, congratulations, you have gotten through probably Jake's greatest rant of all time. Jockey. Yeah. So, Jake, um, another interesting series coming up against the Red Sox and also the Yankees, a four-game series. It is an opportunity for the Oros to put a dagger into the Yankees, possibly at home. Probably not going to happen. Probably going to have to wait around to the Jays series, but still... It could be a really good week coming up
1: for Baltimore Orioles fans. Hey, a girl can dream, can't she? Uh, I think us two girls can always dream. All right. Well, with that, Scott, I am out of things to say. In that case, I'm just going to bid Baltimore and beyond a fond adieu-adieu.
0: Good night, Baltimore. Check out all your local podcasts on the BaltimoreSportsReport.com network.